0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Welcome to the Partner Running Show, a show for runners and soon-to-be runners from around the world as we talk all things running. The Partner Running Show is hosted by a Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, and proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine. And now, on with the show! Well, welcome to the Partner Running Show on this uh, 13th or 12th of January 2015, no matter where you may be in the world. Uh, I'm Andrew O'Brien, and I'm here in the Partner Running Studio with my gorgeous and wonderful co-host, Sue. How are you going, Sue? I'm going very well. And uh, had a very pleasant weekend of running? We
0: did. We did. Uh, One of those occasions where the weather forecast didn't prove to be correct, and wonderful sunny skies and very temperate conditions were experienced by runners in our parts of the world.
1: Which of course was at the Two Bays Trail Run, correct? Which we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, talk a little bit about more later. Um, our focus for the show today. It's a time of the year when people are setting themselves for their. You know, for many people are setting themselves for their their big race for the year. Um, whether that be a race that's in the first quarter, first half sort of thing, or whether it is something later on. But a lot of talk at the moment about you know the big race coming up and people have trained for months and months and all that sort of thing. And so this, again, the question of taper and recovery, often overlooked as we focus on our training and then to a lesser degree our actual race strategy. But the taper and the recovery, uh, vital for well, first of all, for race success in terms of the taper, but recovery for ongoing or what we might call sustainable running success. So we're going to um, have a look at, at those kind of two related and connected issues today in our in our feature. And um, I have to say it, one of the things when it comes to this kind of discussion is um, it really highlights, I think, some of the uh, absolute crap that you see floating around on social media in terms of what people are encouraged to do and not do when it comes to to tape. i mean, it's a high, uh, you know, sort of been on the high horse about this many times. But there are people who can get away with doing things which most of us mere mortals can't, and you know, when they go and put that out there as in that's the way everybody should do it, then it just really infuriates me because when your average everyday weekend runner goes out and does some of these crazy non-tapering or uh, running too much, too quickly, straight after event. It's when they get hurt. And I just think it's irresponsible for people to be putting out there, the, encouraging them to do things which which for most of us don't work and at best are out of context. So we'll talk more about that when we get to, to our feature story. Sure on about, yeah, about tapering. And, and it is,
0: yeah, whilst it can be individual for some, there are definite... And contradictory
1: I think there are you know fundamental options. principles to follow <laughs> yeah. unless you meet certain criteria in which case you can vary them but unless you've got to a certain point and you know what you're doing then to jump straight to uh, the variations is a recipe for disaster and, and it does it. it it's it it uh, grinds my gears pushes my buttons as the saying goes uh, so also on the show we're going to have a quick Oh, we're gonna have a, a review of the two base trail run. We're gonna have a look at the week ahead specifically with uh one of our highlights, running highlights is in the in terms of the Hong Kong one hundred, mm. uh Ask Sue over the shoulder and all of the regular kinds of things. So on that note I think unless you've got anything else you wanted to add, we might uh just keep on movering along. Over the Shoulder, a quick review of last weekend's running.
0: Well, I'll just uh, give some results, I think, for the Two Bays Trail Run, which was, I suppose uh, you call it the Australian Championships for the Short Course Ultra, which is an interesting phraseology, but something about it, the Short Course Ultra. And that was won by Vagin Armstrong, who... Just was a put in a stunning performance to overtake Magnus Mickelson on the return journey for the and Kirsten Bull showed supreme dominance in the women's event to take out that 56k title there was also another event uh, two bays has a 56 kilometer ultra event but also a 28-kilometre event where the bulk of the runners actually participate in. And that was won by Campbell Maffitt and Bronwyn Humphreys won the women's. And I will just make comment that Bronwyn's, uh, Bronwyn finished fifth overall in the 28K and very close to being fourth, five seconds off, fourth overall, which is just a simply stunning performance on a very difficult course. So... Go girls! Now on with some of the news around the place. Well, the Walt Disney World Marathon was held on the weekend, and this is an event very close to our hearts. Uh, we've run it with our daughter. Took place. It took part in the um, half marathon, the Donald Duck half, but. Brazilians made a clean sweep of the Walt Disney World Marathons. You've
1: got to like the Brazilians. The
0: Brazilian make it, it made a clean sweep, yep. Uh, for the 11th year in a row, uh, there has been uh, a male runner win this event from Brazil. But first time, though that uh, both male and female have won it. Uh, The guy that won it, Costa, has won for the fourth time in five years this event. Clearly loves participating in the Walt Disney World. Uh, Apparently about 26,500 or 26,700 people participated in the marathon, and that is a big field. Cold start, uh, and uh, there were 8,000 dopey runners. Now, that just doesn't mean that they were... Dopey to be getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to run, uh, it means that they took on the 5 kilometre run, the 10 kilometre run, the half marathon and the marathon as well over the days of this running festival and uh, acclaim, kudos pat on the back to Vicky Mackay one of our Australian running friends who did get her Dopey award for participating in all of these different events, different weather over different days too, which was quite <laughs> interesting to note. Mostly pretty chilly, but uh, there were some sunny patches and quite temperate conditions and humidity as one would expect uh, just, in Florida.
1: I've actually had an absolute ball following uh, Vicky's Facebook. She's done a great job in, in posting some photos after each event and uh, really does sort of think, oh, she's I'd love to go back there and, and uh, upgrade our goofy to a, to a dopey, get the bunch. And um, the other thing which was really nice, particularly about uh, Vicky and her family doing it was um, I, I have from one of the things she posted I have a sneaking suspicion that um, when we did it a few years ago and posted it and we wrote about it in our book and things that was kind of where her idea came from like wow this is gonna be we're gonna do this trip one day and so they went to New York yep they did some time there and and now they got some magnificent photos at Disney World so it is yeah. it is a I think a, a, you know a once-in-a-lifetime almost dream come true you know it's not the cheapest of trips but if it's uh, you know something you can save up for and do it is a very special special weekend of running
0: yeah oh look definitely and uh, you know people that have done it even if they get cooler conditions which one would not necessarily expect for Florida uh, have a great time Disney put on a wonderful show uh, to as well as the running itself there is that festival atmosphere with all the different characters and... Well, think you can go uh, one on further course.
1: onto the Dopey. You can also then go on now and do a, one of their Disney cruises for two or three nights out to Castaway Key or whatever it's called down there in the Bahamas. And there's a race, a 5K. I'm pretty sure it's a 5K race as part of that. I could be uh, a bit off the mark there, but it's worth checking into. So if you're going to go all the way and make a trip for the, for the Dopey, you might as well do a little <laughs> cruise and squeeze in one more race. Sure. And hang around for the Miami Marathon.
0: Talking about... Uh, Marathon efforts we've got the back-to-back option that was on the weekend as well with the Mississippi Blues Marathon and the First Light Marathon in Alabama and race directors had promoted that this was a a really cool double to do and could be done and 500 people decided that they were going to try and run the back-to-back marathons very very cold conditions in fact in Alabama the um, Local participants or runners were warned about the conditions were likely to be absolutely zero degrees but local cafes were rubbing their hands together with glee and decided to extend trading hours to open earlier to cater for a lot of these spectators and even the runners that might have wanted a quick caffeine hit or to even get warm before the start of this event. Just shows you, you never can be sure what whether you're going to encounter for events. Um events that just took my eye on the weekend. One of them was the announcement of uh, discontinuing an event and this is the Thunder Bay uh, Miles with the Giants race. After five years of trying to build numbers, they have decided to just off the race that this is going to be the last year, and they thank participants for their support. They tried all different avenues to try and get the race to increase in popularity, they tried marketing at local races, they tried going through the tourism board, they tried to get support from Athletics Canada, advertisements in local and national papers. And just haven't been able to grow the event beyond uh, 950 participants. They're not losing money, but it just has not grown. This is in stark contrast to a new that's been going for only two years in Doha, the Urudu Marathon. And it's the first time they've added the marathon to this event. And they've seen numbers shoot up to 3,000 with the marathon, half marathon, 10K and 5K. And with a charity base, this event has just grown beyond all expectations and organisers are thrilled the way it has grown and looking for bigger and better things to try and get it on the international map as well. But they've started their their growth at the grassroots level working on local athletics clubs local uh, businesses to try and get the charity aspect going but unfortunately um, Thunder Bay has been discontinued.
1: Uh, While you're going there another bit of news we had on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, Rebecca Rushton talking about blister prevention Mm -hmm. and uh, from blisterprevention.com.au I can just let people know that Rebecca has put together a special kit uh, an information education kit for particularly targeted at people going to the ANZAC Ultra in April but of great use to all runners and, and includes within that the um, the interview that we did with her plus another a number of other um, downloads and views and documents so if you go to mrprevention.com.au you can check that out I'm sure that well I haven't had a look at it I'm not, I'm not sure that I know that it's it's magnificent so there you go
0: and it is handy for runners of all levels yes. over all distances yes. in all race conditions now uh, talking about a couple of different races around the place one of them uh, that uh, is coming up this weekend so it's sort of like a, a little uh, bit of a preview I suppose in the news the Mumbai marathon is just growing and growing and growing in popularity and interesting in that it seems to cross the cultural barriers that often separate this particular country uh, with regards to upper and lower levels of society running had previously been looked at as a recreational pursuit that was not for the masses it was only sport is for the privileged few to participate in and the general population couldn't really understand why people were running like why would you run We work hard physically we rest when we get the opportunity to but it appears that there's been somewhat of a cultural shift now and the general population are appreciating the health benefits that come from running the potential to drop levels of diabetes of cholesterol of other health factors that are causing them life problems and also actually increase the discipline within their daily lives to bring them success in their working lives as well as physical health and happiness and that shift has seen the numbers just exponentially grow participating in running events in India so I thought that was quite an interesting little tidbit of news um, it looks like the rock and roll half marathon in Philadelphia which gets about over 20,000 participants is going to have to be cancelled or shifted and that is because the Pope is visiting it. It. Philadelphia is a huge, huge Catholic population, has a huge Catholic population. And over the what is normally the scheduled weekend for the race, they've announced that it is the World Meeting of Catholic Families. And they are expecting 850,000 to a million visitors into the city during this week between September the 22nd and 27th. Now this is going to put a huge strain on the city resources as well as of course taking out the Philadelphia Convention Center which is normally the home of the expo and a lot of the marathon uh, dealings so no new date has been set yet but it's just kind of looking like uh, it's going to have to be shifted so watch that with great interest and you have a, a rent also announced this week the Malaysian International Marathon the MIM it's being called yep and uh, that's going to attract they expect about 30,000 participants, so a nice starting number for a first-time marathon um, on May 23rd, 24th over the, the new Penang Bridge, trying to get it a bit more use, because uh, numbers are just going too, too, too big for the actual Penang Bridge Marathon. Now, another event that was on over the weekend was Hobart Marathon or the Cadbury Marathon, and uh, that was won by David Creniti, or Creneti? I'm not sure quite sure how you uh, pronounce his name but uh beautiful running conditions and in the female uh
1: doesn't, doesn't the in the newscast, oh, they tell you who won the men's but they don't tell you who won the women's it's not but it was it was a uh, i think four
0: uh, oh there you go um oh no that's no, no
1: 350 um marathon runners 750 half and uh hundreds more in the 10k and they also had the kids event so it is a mm. great you a Good the,
0: Family Weekend got away, the, uh, that one.
1: Cadbury chocolate characters down there for the end. Yes, it is. Um, you mentioned the uh, was it the Mississippi Blues Marathon. Yes. Uh I remember the last time I went to Mississippi, uh, it was sort of a, a bit of a scary part of town there. Uh, once you got away from the main street, or I can't remember the name of the street where. Beale the, Street. Beale Street, yeah, that's right, where uh, Elvis and Johnny Cash and the boys recorded Sun's. Studios and all that sort of stuff. Magnificent place. But once you get a bit out of town, uh, other than going to Graceland, give you a bit of a, yeah, a bit rough and ready in some parts. And, and uh, in keeping with that, during the race, uh, one of the marathon runners found the the, uh, the handbag of a woman who'd been murdered uh, on the Friday night of oh, the race. Christ. So not something you find every day when you're running a race. Not oh. the body, just a handbag with. With uh, you know keys to a car and some stuff. Oh yeah. Anyway, not not the best of stories, but it was of note while Mm -hmm. you're on that topic. All right, we better keep moving along. Uh, Where we're up to, I guess we're up to. Uh, I guess the highlight of the show was (laughs) this bit. Ask Sue. Do you have a question you'd like answered? Why not send us a message, a tweet or post your question on the Partner Running Facebook page. Take it away, Sue. Well,
0: over the weekend, we participated in the Two Bays Trail Ultra Marathon. So we took part in the 56K event. There's also a 28. Event and this is uh it was is a challenging course. It is a tough run over some very hilly terrain. Uh, involves some single track, so it's it is a trail. It's an off-road marathon. But this ask Sue this week can also apply to people participating in a road marathon, road half marathon, or even some shorter distances as well. And the question that I was asked, which is inevitable for anyone who participates probably in a running event, is, how did you go? And the question has many answers. And if you had a good race, yeah, I had a great race. Things felt went well. Things worked for me. But there is also the other side of the coin where things don't work for you. And uh, we can describe it as the wheels came off or I had a bad race. Or something went wrong during my race and ask Sue today looks at some of the things that can go wrong for you when you are participating in your running event why the wheels fall off or the wheels can fall off did that happen to you and what did that mean well the first way that the wheels can come off if you is if you blow up the, the word is called and basically you can go out too hard and you just burn out you run out of energy you completely lose momentum lose steam you might start to feel unwell but basically you go out at a pace that is too strong and too fast for you to be able to sustain for the entire duration of your event and this might mean that you are just way out in front of what you were expecting to run and then suddenly find that you your legs feel like lead and you just cannot continue, so what inevitably happens is that you have to slow down and if you're a very or an inexperienced runner or your fitness level isn 't that high, you might end up actually having to walk in the event or walk into the finish. Now the second reason why the wheels can fall off during your event is maybe that you are under-trained, that you haven't done enough preparation, physical training for this event and that can also be a factor of the course as well, that it is a hillier or harder running course than you anticipated it would be and you haven't done enough hill training. Your muscles just aren't strong enough to sustain you over the difficulty of the course. You might be able to make the distance, but the difficulty of the run actually catches you out. And what can probably happen then is, again, you have to go slower, you have to put in some walking, um, with maybe some jogging. If it still continues to be hilly, you might have to walk up the hills and jog back down the hills and jog the flat or jog when you can to get through the course. Now, the third thing that can befall you out on a run where the wheels come off is that you could actually fall over or succumb to an injury, and that could be a muscle strain. If it's a fall, it could be a bruising, a bad uh, abrasion that... might require some medical attention and that could actually cause you to pull out at the next aid station but you might assess the injury and say oh look it's just a slight strain or it's a bad graze." but look I can get through the event and continue at a much slower pace or just ultimately get there um, to complete rather than perform as well as you might have Now, the fourth reason why the wheels could come off or you might end up having a a, a worse event than you had hoped is you might succumb to cramps. And if conditions are unexpectedly hot, or you haven't really prepared with your hydration properly or your salt content, you might find that you do start to cramp, um, either in calves, the most common muscle group, but also hamstrings and quads, uh, if you are running over very hilly terrain or in challenging, on a challenging course. A Couple of different options available too if you're carrying salt tablets, you can try to uh, overload with those and see if that helps balance the electrolyte again. You could try some Nurofen or pain relief tablets and that might also loosen up the tight muscles if they are spasmy. If you've got cramp stop spray, you could try that and we've had success with using that magnesium-based spray to try and release the muscle tension and get your electrolyte balance again. Of course, there's also, when you do get to aid stations, trying to drink as much electrolyte drink as you can trying to again balance the salts and uh, you might again have to walk for a while hopefully stretch out some of the cramp and you might find you can continue and it may even pass and allow you to continue in a reasonable fashion but for your overall race it's not going to be perhaps the performance that you had hoped for another reason that you can sort of uh, have the wheels come off is if you have a fuel crash if you've gone out hard or you've gone out running without taking on some energy on board and your body can't sustain that level you might suddenly find that you're feeling a little bit lightheaded, feeling quite weak the only way you can deal with this is to probably try and take in some fuel or energy when you get to an aid station if you've got nothing yourself with you that you've only got water in your bottle or you've only got had water in the past is to try and again get some electrolyte fluid it's going to have some sugar in it might pick up your energy levels and if they do have food at the aid station um, I know that most aid stations uh, will have the sugary drink or the electrolyte drink but you might also find that there are some lollies there are some uh, power bars or energy gels even out on the table which might help you rebuild that sugar level and uh, pick up your energy enough to, for, to continue on but again it will have caused a, a little bit of a drop in your performance now the other one that uh, can be unexpected is dehydration and that can come on you quite suddenly without realizing suddenly feeling very thirsty and uh, maybe even feeling that lightheaded uh, sweating profusely and not taking in enough fluid to balance your body again you've just got to try and and get as much fluid in and potentially some electrolyte as well to try and pick back up your levels of hydration but ultimately these are some conditions that can cause the wheels to come off with your performance and Over the weekend, we spoke to various participants that had probably experienced all of those different levels of problems with their runs. Some people, it's enough, to actually stop, to be able, have to discontinue their event and not be able to finish. And that is a health assessment that you need to make. But ultimately, they could be speed bumps along the way. They just cause you to slow down, have to reassess, and maybe look at your race for next time, see if you can potentially stop some of those problems before they occur or head them off at the past before the first sign of problems. But just a few little thoughts ask Sue this week about if you are asked that question how did your race go if it's not one of those answers of good I had a great time have a think about what are some of the reasons that might have caused you to have a poorer event than you had hoped for
1: That was the Ask Sue segment of the Partner Running Show If you have a question for Sue please post it on the Partner Running Facebook page or email us at radio at com. I noticed while you were taking us through Ask Sue uh, and I was sort of doing the social media posting and checking for comments and things that uh, our mate Hector Allen from uh, the US is lining up next weekend in the Hurt 100, which is uh, a a tricky race to get into in Oahu in Honolulu. It's one of those ones which I think would be quite spectacular, 100 miles there. So all the best to Hector and everyone else who's running. I love that
0: name of that (laughs) race, the Hurt 100.
1: 100. Uh, I think it's, it's it is such a wonderful race, but it's also one of those ones where people who have run it in the past or are hoping to run it in the future go out and act as you know, support crew and volunteers and those sorts of things. So, again, like a lot of those hundred milers yeah, you, know, you can't. Well, most of us can't run them all all the time, but it is a great way to, to learn and give back and support. So, uh, all the best to the organisers, to all the volunteers, and and, and especially to, to our mate Hector. Mm. Look forward to hearing about that. I said we'd uh, send him out. We'd be thinking of him whilst we're running the Hong Kong, well, the Vibram Hong Kong 100 Ultra Trail Race. So let's just talk a little bit about that. There's a bit of a short preview before we go on with the show. So this is a a race that's only been going for a couple of years now. I think this is the fifth running um, and has gone from strength to strength to the point where it's quite difficult to get into. Uh, They have a, a ballot system. I think sort of they have like eight people from every country are allowed and then it's... By the ballot type type thing. So if you come from a small country or where many people don't go, then you're in with a big chance. But otherwise, if you're if you like some of our poor friends from Malaysia, where uh. there's hundreds of people trying to go, then they can't all get in. So very popular, uh, attracts some of uh, the world's best trail runners and is part of the Ultra Trail World Tour. Um, so that's kind of the background. Uh, run on the Saturday morning. So this year it's on the 17th. Um, and it pr- promoted on the website the 17th and 18th. So, as I said to somebody the other day, hopefully mostly the 17th, not too much of the 18th. Correct. But, but there is a 30 hour cutoff starting at 8 a.m. on Saturday. So, you can be well into the day on Sunday to get there. And they seem to, or well they advertise in terms of the, the starting area, three key groups I suppose. Mm-hmm. You think about the marathon corrals of the you know, the sub three and a half and the sub three forty five and the four well for here for the Hong Kong one hundred, three groups. Sub um 16, sixteen. Yep. Sixteen to twenty and twenty and beyond. And having a look last year there was probably the, the bulk of the field was in the twenty and beyond. Um good chunk of people in the six in the sixteen to twenty and not too many up the point again. Mm-hmm. So we'll be um I think hoping for seventeen to 19 hours depending on how things go so we're gonna be well and truly in the in the heart of that 16 to 20
0: and I also noticed that I think those times also correspond to instead of finishes medals there are finishes cups and there are gold there's gold silver and bronze corresponding to the time that you take to complete the event so if you're sub 16 your gold 16 to 20 silver and then 20 and beyond or 24 and beyond whatever it is then you're into the bronze level as well so fingers crossed that it is by the runner's own direction to put themselves into the correct corral so again that's open to discussion about the way people tackle that you might be very slow at the start but you might be in you know you might know that you can get there in that time but it could make for a little bit of difficulty over the single track start I believe could get a bit um, what do they call it log jammed
1: yes that's part of the challenge so yeah um, look I I'd love to, um, as part of our preview, go through the course description in detail, but uh, the, um, oh, I suppose the, the names of the locations are a bit beyond me, and I suspect a bit beyond most of our listeners. Um, the, the best summary I think we can give in terms of the course is that um, it's, it's on the um, Kowloon or the it's Kowloon side, Sort of running through the new territories um, and you, you're sort of going up and down the mountains you're coming down into little sea villages some sort of the old parts of Hong Kong you don't see stunning views um, and I think I'm going to regret this but I've I've been describing it as you know reasonably runnable uh, flatter in the first half and then particularly hilly in the second half and I I have a suspicion it's going to be hilly in the first half and mountainous in the second half Um, so those those sort of words might describe you. but the views of the scenery the uh, cultural experience it it all looks absolutely stunning
0: there was one uh, people that have been to Hong Kong say that they have walked part of this trail it's a very popular walking trail Um, and I'm, I'm just trying to remember the name. I think it's the McEnroe's, McEnose, McEnose, um Trail that is uh, quite a, a well-known trail in Hong Kong that part of the course is over and people have sort of described it as lots of steps up and down the mountainside, which is something very different from what we're used to experiencing um, in our trails with these steps all over the the side of the mountains and it does uh, well we're taking trekking poles which is something that's gonna be new for us as well. And we have been warned to uh take some extra
1: batteries for our torchlights
0: in case we are uh very much
1: overnight. So as I say, um a hundred kilometres uh climbs over four and a half thousand meters in uh, that time, so we did the Yu Yangs there the other week and that was, we were almost 3,000 metres so it's another one and a half, or you know, that much again or half of that again uh, the highest peak up to 957 so you do go down to sea level so you're going up to there um, first half winds around the coast of the Sai Kung Peninsula um, so all looking very exciting yes. Um We've been watching
0: the long-range weather
1: forecast. Weather's looking good. The crowds look <laughs> good. Um, they have a great system for getting you out to the start. Great, uh, well-stocked aid stations about every ten kilometres. Um, people coming from all around the world. It's going to be magnificent to be part of it. And just a quick reminder that I think that that means that almost certainly the partner running show next week won't be on Tuesday because we'll be in transit, mm. uh, winging our way back from the, uh, the Hong Kong. Um, but we'll have our full report later in the week. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, a bit of a intro to the Hong Kong 100. You can uh, find out more about the Hong Kong 100 and possibly even keep track of us, I'm not sure, at uh, hk100-ultra.com, but easy to easy to Google there on the, if you just Google Vibram Hong Kong 100 Ultra Trail Race, and uh, keep an eye on it for next year or year after. Put it on your list of races mm. to do. They, they you know, sort of, I think... mid mid to two-thirds of the way through is the ballot and those sorts of things. Um, Again, those things can change from year to year, but well worth keeping an eye on and thinking about. Okay. You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner Magazine. Now, feature... Topic for today's show is the art of the taper and recovery. Um, I think often as runners, our focus is on the training. What have I got to train? What are I got to do in training for my event? We then turn our attention a little bit to race day, um, and hopefully we connect our training and our race day. But you know, what am I going to wear? What am I going to take for fuel? How fast am I going to go per kilometer, etc. So the training and the racing is is uh, that's what it's all about. That's the running part, um, but that can lead us then to neglect some of the other things which are kind of critical to one performing well at our best on race day, and also to surviving and and the thriving actually injury-free, uh, sustainable running over time. And so the the taper and the recovery, sort of the uh, the unsung heroes in some ways. And so that's going to be our focus. So 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 you any any initial thoughts on the value of the taper and and the recovery?
0: can't underestimate the feeling of being fresh to start a race i think that so often it is very difficult to taper for a lot of people it's very difficult to taper which is to drop off the amount of running drop off the intensity of running and they struggle mentally with that and then undo all their good work um, by just not being able to resist that temptation i'll just do one more run i'll just do one more good training session and I'll feel better about myself. You might feel better mentally about yourself but physically your body is not going to appreciate you.
1: Yes, it is they're both, I suppose, examples of those things that, you know, if you don't do them, you kind of you don't realise how much of a benefit it, it can make. So you think this is just this the way it is. It's a bit like you know, well um, our son Anthony talked about getting the laser surgery on his eyes. If you've never had, you know, twenty twenty great great vision, then you just think that's how everybody sees the world. Uh, you go and get surgery, and all of a sudden you are you can see things differently. It's, it is wow, I can't believe it. And I think the taper and the recovery uh, of that ilk too. If you don't do them well, then you just think, well, that's the way it is. I hadn't trained mm-hmm. hard enough, or I hadn't done something right, or I've got got an injury. You accept a, a, a level of Quality of life of running that's less than it need be. So, I think I think you're on a good point there that the the both the taper and the recovery can really lift your game, lift the quality, uh, enhance the whole experience. So, in terms of talking about this topic, what we're going to do is going to have a look at why why they're both important. Going to talk about some key principles. Uh, going to give me a chance to get it off my chest in terms of my gripe about some of the bad advice that's out there particularly in social media we're going to talk about some exceptions uh, as to why and it gives some context for why people might not be doing what you think they should be doing when it comes to taper and recovery Uh, and then we're going to just go through with some specific tips for getting the most out of your taper and recovery so first of all in terms of a bit of a summary as to why uh, they're important. So the taper. Why? Why is the taper? Or what, what First, what is the taper? Can you just define it? Cause it's yeah. a word Maybe not everyone understands.
0: Taper is decreasing both the volume and the intensity of your training leading up to your event. So we've got both volume and intensity. Okay. two things to drop.
1: Cool. So in terms of what, why then is the taper so important?
0: Right. Well, physiologically, or talking about our muscles and our bodies, we're often Training with slight, let's say, injuries, micro tears of the muscles, fatigue in the muscles, uh, strain on our joints, maybe carrying a few little niggles, semi-injuries, that sort of thing, and our muscles aren't primed to perform at their optimum. We're training, we're not performing at our maximum. So by backing off the intensity and volume of the training leading up to your event, you're giving your body first of all the muscles a chance to really recover and prime themselves by storing glycogen and energy to put in a great performance and that's sort of from the muscle aspect um, of of the taper but also the energy systems it gives us a chance to to really start to store energy in our muscles for performance often we're training we're depleting those amounts of energy within the system and we're sort of training at a slightly depleted level, but by backing off, we allow the muscles to to really store energy and to recover. So they're primed on two levels
1: to okay. perform well. So performing we at our best, recovering from the training, and overcoming fatigue. Um, often you hear people, particularly when they're going up in distance or really doing a lot more speed, so they want to try to improve the the performance. They'll talk about, oh, you know, I'm on the edge. I'm really I'm really tired. I'm you know, and, and you can be prone to getting injured and you can be prone to illness. And what the taper period does is it it basically brings you back from the edge to to be in your peak condition so that come race day, you're 100% ready to go. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, why I think the taper is important, not only to perform best but stop you getting injured and ill. A couple of traps. Uh, First of all, this notion that, Oh, I need to do some more training. I can always do some more training. And you know, I've never met a runner who's gone to the start line who says I've done all the training. You know, I, I suspect that you know you get some Olympians and AFL footballers. Some people, well, from time to time, go I've did it all. I've got nothing more I could have done in training. But for most of us, the thing you hear every weekend is Oh, you know, I could have done a bit more of this, or I should have done that. So there's a tendency to try to squeeze in a bit more. Um, another trap is just not focusing on the sleep and nutrition aspects of the taper so again you sort of might be backing off but you're still letting yourself down and then the biggest trap of all when it comes to the taper is as and it's a sign that the taper is working you start to well i'm not fatigued geez i'm feeling good i'm feeling strong you're out for a short run the next thing you know you put the foot down or put both feet down so to speak and you squeeze in a quality or a fast session or you go a bit further and you kind of blow it so, you've got to be really careful that during the taper, you don't spend that extra energy and the benefits of the recovery. You're saving that for race day. That's a sign that, yep, this is working nicely.
0: Or you channel that energy into other areas and you think, oh, I've got all this energy. I'm going to take on cleaning the house, cleaning the yard, traffic, you know, <laughs> take on all of these extra extra tasks because you've got the energy to burn you end up fatiguing yourself more than you would yes. have
1: if you'd gone for a short jog so there's a balance there isn't it? Mm. it's good to occupy yourself with other things and maybe do some things that you haven't you've got behind because you've been training but these are best to be the things like you know the paperwork or or less fatiguing type physical things, um, as well as resting up. and
0: Or go and see that movie you'd always been wanting to see, (laughs) or just one of those inactive activities that you were thinking of doing.
1: Okay, so that's that's the taper, both in terms of importance and the traps. Now, in terms of recovery, let's talk about Mm. that while we're here. Um, I I think the biggest one of why this is really important is it allows the body to adapt. Um, When it's all said and done, uh, the race can be viewed as the ultimate training session. It's about learning, it's about adapting and whatever else. And one of the things that often distresses me is when people say, how do I get rid of DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness? As if it's like, I've got a broken arm. You know, How do I get rid of it? I don't want to have a broken arm. Oh, of course I don't want to have a broken arm. How do I get rid of my muscle soreness after doing a, a big race? I want to get rid of it. Well, it's just a good pain. This is this is not one to be just oh you know there's a problem it's not an injury it's an it's the body adapting and so to try to rush or get rid of or you know I don't want to have this it's like well if you don't want to have the delayed uh, muscle soreness from after the event don't do the event it's mm. part of it you should be almost celebrating it and cherishing it and going well this is a sign that I went to a new place
0: well actually I think there was an asked Sue just a couple of weeks ago saying that uh, the DOMS it, it just along one step physiologically evidence scientific base to support that is that with short shortening or curtailing the DOMS you're not getting the true benefits that come for your muscles for rebuilding them physiologically so there's actually scientific reason to say not only cherish this but your body's actually adapting to the, the workload that you've given, given it and by shortening the DOMS process you're actually not allowing the muscles to get their full benefit that
1: they could get from the work that you've done. Excellent I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that when we talk about the tips because this notion of to ice or not to ice I think plays very much mm. into what you're talking about there so in terms of why recovery is important well it's allowing the body to adapt but it's also um, about avoiding injury you know your potentially you can have overuse injury so it's a good time for getting a stress fracture if you've just gone out and done a big event but also the other thing which which comes into play here is that because you, you may have that sort of extra fatigue that muscle soreness your biomechanics can be different you might be sort of limping a bit or hobbling or running in a different way so you can then use your muscles differently which makes you more vulnerable to injury um, for many people you've had 12 16 weeks of build-up you've had the big race that the immune system the the adrenaline it's all come crunching down and then in the you go through the high of the two or three days after the race and you know four or five days after you get into a bit of a low some people talk about almost like a depression but you become vulnerable to to illnesses you know little colds snivels and things which can turn into to more things and often Post-race, people are travelling, they're mixing with people they're not used to being with, so again, the chances of picking up something uh, increases. And so recovery is important for overcoming fatigue, and doing a good recovery and working at it enables you to get back to quality training as soon as possible. Again, if you go back too quickly, you do the wrong thing, you get injured or you delay your fatigue, then you, know, you can turn a two- or three-week full recovery into a six- or eight-week one. So it's almost a case of you've got to do less, be able to do more you got to go slower to go to go faster Um, so some traps first of all the biggest trap when it comes to recovery
0: oh is uh, getting back to running too soon it's just taking on too much trying to get back and think well I'm going to grow on from the work that I've done I want to get the benefits of it and see what it's going to do for me with my running but actually that's contraindicatory of what you should be doing so it's it's not too much. It's back off. Get that recovery first.
1: And uh, I think for runners, they enjoy their daily run or their or every day or a regular running. Um, in that period after a major event, then the, the so called runners high seems to go to an even new level, which kind of it turns up the the importance or the focus or the desire to get out and do some more quickly. So it, it's a heightened state of emergency in that context. And as we said before, you know, this notion uh, the, the trap of of treating the delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS as a bad pain that's got to be gotten rid of or stopped is a real um, mental model or, or worldview that's flawed you need to certainly work with it adapt to it but it's a it's it's a sign that the body is adapting and growing so rather than try and dismiss it ignore it or artificially get rid of it let it run its course and recognize that it's a good thing and a, a really good indication about that as opposed to adaption is i'll just compare personal story what i was like in the days after my first marathon compared to what i was like in the days after you know a recent marathon early days a couple of days couldn't walk fatigue for two or three weeks took quite a while to get back in even when i did go start running I chances of getting injured quite high now Ten years later lots and lots of marathons uh, lots and lots of ultras so marathon training has has become sort of part of running an ultra and uh, I can run a marathon and then go out and run a marathon the next day if you uh, or to, to you know, do a, a reasonably nice 10 to 15k thing the body is adapted dramatically um, so you adapt and that's part of Dom's helping you adapt and that notion of uh, like the Going to longer events and adapting is one of the exceptions which we're going to talk about in, in a moment. So some key principles. What are a couple of key things that we want to, to focus on?
0: Well, I think we said at the start, taper and recovery are just as important as the training and racing as part of your running.
1: Okay. The aim is to optimise your performance and avoid injury. Now, one of the fundamental concepts, uh, we, you know, which we learned from Jeff Galloway and many others, but uh, Galloway particularly, Sue, and that is that...
0: That in the final two weeks before your event, you're not going to get any training benefits. It takes two weeks for your training to convert to your performance.
1: So if you're thinking, if it's inside the two-week mark and you're thinking, I'm going to go out for a long run or I'm going to go out and do and a... some a, hilly a,
0: repeats or something.
1: And sprint. if it's going to help me on race day, if your race is less than 14 days from the day you're going to do that workout you are wasting your time and undermining your run performance so from a physical standing, don't do it Um, there are a bunch of principles around taper and recovery but like everything you just need to test them a little bit you're unlikely to get right first time Uh, you need to find what works for you Um, and and so what we mean here is you know the best way to sleep do you run Do a gentle run the day before a walk or nothing the day before there are little nuances within the strategies which you need to tailor for yourself and last but not least in terms of the key principles is that what we're talking about here in terms of the strategies for taper and recovery is that these are the tried and true playing the percentages low risk this is what's going to work for the vast majority of people so this is the high, success, high chance of success. If you're doing outside of these things, then you got a good chance of something going wrong uh, and you shouldn't do that unless you've got experience and you really know what you're doing and you're prepared for the consequences. Mm. Sometimes we want to try different things, but we need to just... It's okay if you do that knowing that geez, this is a risk. I might get injured, but it's, I'm, I'm making a, a conscious decision to go that way. Um, so... My little bugbear, I suppose, is, as is, we is, say, the bad or misinformation that gets out and about from uh, people, particularly in terms of social media. And so you'll hear people say, oh, you know, I never taper. Well, you probably don't perform as well as you want, and you know, when it's all said and done, you're probably a dickhead. Um, so the I don't taper ever is just, it's it's well and truly proven that tapering will enhance your performance. So people think it's great not to taper, it could be something else at play it's in the they right you know it might be a training event for their big event that's in context that makes sense but if it's it's your A event and you're not tapering then you're not giving yourself the best chance of succeeding uh, secondly it's you know the different conditions in your leading up training you know if it's extra hot extra wet whatever else well that's not the time to go out and be a hero and 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 over push it so you want to be careful you want to be conservative you want to be giving yourself every opportunity it's just not the smart play uh, you've got you know months and years worth of difficult conditions to train in, which is a good thing to do just not in the very close lead up to to your race uh, the next one is the the running the day after you know I did I you know a good or solid ten or fifteen k the day after my event well again it's a it 's a high risk strategy unless you 're very experienced unless you 're training for something unless you have built up to it for most people, going out and running in the days after is just downright looking for trouble it 's not necessary there are lots of alternatives um, you're only you 're only looking for for the risk um, and I think that the warning for for all well, the, the the word of caution here is that for a lot of people that are uh, new or inexperienced when it comes to tapering uh, and Recovery is they see often as the the loudest people are out there saying, you know I don't taper and I and I run hard the day after the race or whatever else and for those of us are novices kind of get this impression Oh, that's what you should be doing. It's not what you should be doing. Uh, it's just terrible terrible advice and so uh, Nothing wrong in fact everything to be gained from a good taper and a good recovery and uh, it's like the person who looks after themselves performs better and runs longest and sustainable uh, the people who don't don't taper and don't recover uh, they're the ones who do you know, bonk during the race, have poor performances and get injured more often so um, be careful and these are really important things to do
0: yep there's just one other I thing I was going to add to that is that uh, a lot of those warnings that you were talking about are relating to the body and that aspect as well but we also need to consider the mind aspect and be strong mentally to not succumb to some of the diversions that you might see that might cause you to deviate from what your plan is for your taper and recovery yep. so you've got to be strong mentally to be strong physically okay
1: so the exceptions when might you do an event that doesn't involve tapering or sort of recovery that you would do after your A event and the key time when you do this is when your event is what we might call a B or a C event or a training event that's leading you on to something bigger and better so what do we mean by that give a couple of examples let's say you're an experienced 10k runner and you're training for a half marathon and six weeks before your half marathon go out and do as a speed session a 10k event you go fast and hard you may decide not to taper for that because it's within your training program you're going to do it as a speed session so you're running the event and then rather than spending a lot of recovery time you're just going to be careful for a day or two but it's a 10k as you're building up to a half marathon so it's in the context of of that so your taper and recovery will be very different Um, the one where we're at at the moment is you know, we ran a, a marathon two weeks ago as a part of our lead up for the Hong Kong 100. So just outside that 14-day um, scope, and it was a good hard training session. But it's in the build-up to a much bigger. And it's kind of like we talk about the Russian doll principle. It's sort of the the event within the bigger event. So these principles of, of the taper and the recovery, they really apply specifically when you're going to an A race or you're going up in distance to something you haven't done before. If you're you know, doing your over and over and over your 10K or your half as part of your half your half marathon or your marathon build-up, then you can do a little bit less taper and a little bit less on the recovery. And it's a conscious decision. I'm not going to perform as well in my race today because I'm not tapering because this is part of my training for something down the track so that's kind of when you would do it and then the other provisos here Sue is specifically you need to be in terms of the body
0: you need to be ready injury free you need to be you know there's no point in having a slight injury or a niggle or something that's not right and saying well but I've got to go out and train you don't have to go out and train, taking a day or two off or even a week off in the big picture of things is not going to detract from your performance. in fact, you could set yourself back even further
1: and The other thing here is as well as being injury free you need to be reasonably experienced and that that's relative to the distance you're doing and the build up um but you need to have, you know, you know that you're not only injury-free, but you, you need to know about your body. You need to know the signs. You need to be prepared for it. And so you know, the one that always makes sense for me is when we decided to run our first Comrades and we were three or four times a year marathon runners, reasonably conservative, pushing the edge of what we thought was, you know, a couple of year. And then we discovered that to train up for uh, Comrades, we basically ended up running a marathon distance in training every week or every second week. And so we had to give the time... To our body to slowly adapt and build up so what comes with that is you're not tapering you're going a bit slower you might be using some run-walk techniques and not as fast as you could if it was your a race but you're actually doing it to build up for something bigger and better so when people say oh, I didn't taper for that event it could be one of two things it could be that they're a snoozer just saying oh, I'm a hero because I don't taper or and I suspect in many cases, when you see these kinds of posts on social media, people aren't, they don't have the space or the time or the foresight to put in the full context. And what they should be saying is, I'm not tapering for this race because it's a training event for me leading up to something bigger and beyond. And that makes perfect sense. But when it's just one off, I don't taper. Mm. It, it, um, it doesn't make sense and similarly you know or I'm back to running the day after or the day after because I'm taking a calculated risk because I'm training for a multi-stage event I want to teach my body to do that um, and there's a, a higher risk of injury so these exceptions in the context are really important okay so let's get on then and, and go through some some taper tips just uh, a few options I think we've got about 12 of them to, to just quickly run through so first of all it's about determining the goal in the context as we just said when looking at the exceptions are you tapering for, for the race or is it a training event for a bigger event even if it is a training event for a bigger event you need to recognize and respect the distance you know, a mistake that i made recently where I cramped in, in a in know what was a training event because I was focused on my a event and I didn't hydrate as well as I should and I was thinking about the big one not the not the medium one but the medium one was still more than 50k it was a serious event and I let myself down by not focusing and getting out of balance so there's Mm. this mix between I'm not going to taper because it's a training event versus well I've still got to respect the distance and I don't want to get hurt or cramped or whatever it might be because it's going to have a negative impact on my recovery and my training next thing to do yeah
0: look at the last two weeks before your event as one picture what are you going to do over that two-week period rather than randomly uh, just think well, I've done the hard work before my event done my whatever it's going to be and then just willy-nilly start putting in little training sessions look at that two weeks count it back from your event and plan
1: accordingly you really want to do your uh, last really intense or long run uh, three weeks out give yourself the time to think. Certainly, depending on your experience in the event, no more than two weeks out.
0: Mm -hmm. So the next one is to incorporate um, your training, sure, but also look at your rest, your food and your hydration over that taper period as a whole.
1: Okay, avoiding new uh, activities, new uh, foods, new clothes for running in in that Taper period. So the time to have tested all those things is before you get to the taper, not in there. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, simple little trap. Well, I've finished all my run training. I'm taper. I'm tapering down now. I'm not doing as much. I've got some spare time. Now I'm going to take up, you know, do some weights, or I'm going to. You now I'm going to get into yoga because I've got the time. You know, you, your body's going to need time to adapt to the new activity. So now is not the time for that sort of thing.
0: No, this is also a great time to plan off-the-feet activities and it might be going to see that movie that you've been wanting to see for a while. Um, It might be reading a book that you put aside to read when you had the chance. This is the time to use that leisure time for other
1: off feet activities. Uh, A big one for me is the big sleep two nights before the race, not the night before the race. Often the night before the race, you know, you'll be... Uh, thinking about the event, you might be away from home, you might be in a different bed, you might be all sorts of things, you might be worried about the alarm clock to get up early to run. So the time to get your big sleep and really to rest, to to, get the most out of your taper, is two nights before the big run.
0: Yep. Hydration, three to four days before. Again, this is one not to leave to the last minute and think, well, I better scull a litre of fluid the night before I go to bed, before my race, It is gradually increased your hydration over three to four days prior to your event.
1: Not only does it go straight through, but it also then can uh, have an even bigger negative impact on your sleep night before. So Correct. rather than getting a, the best you can, you you have a disrupted night. Uh, it's all about, and this is my expertise, my big mistake, it's actually carbo-loading, not over- overloading. Uh, if you're a, somebody who, and there are some people nowadays who aren't, Doing as much with carbs and long-distance running but if you are following the so-called traditional carbo-loading model um, this is the time to change the composition of what you eat not so much the volume Uh, don't over indulge because that would potentially cause Mm -hmm. all sorts of problems and not help you.
0: And particularly relating to that carbo-loading Best time to have that meal is two nights before your event. Have something light and easy to digest the night before your event.
1: Yes, always big on uh, two nights before, and then the the breakfast and even the like the lunch, lunch or something the day before, yeah. rather than just the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question of do you run in the days leading up to the event? Well, there's no hard and fast rule. This is one of those areas where it's it's personal choice. Um, I think we've found either works and we haven't had more success one way or the other. So we've had times where we've completely rested the day before. We've had other times where we've you know, done a gentle 4 to 5K run and can't notice, can't see a dramatic noticeable shift. So it's 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 in many ways, as long as you're keeping the run easy, it's more of a mental um, preparation thing than a, like a physical type thing. Often if you're travelling to a different town, it's nice to get out, feel the climate, feel the air. Maybe um, mm. run a little bit of the course, whatever. But again, if you can't or you don't feel like it, that's fine too. Exactly. Uh, and last but not least, again, it's a bit like taking on new training activities. You just need to uh, be a bit careful at work and with your travel and those sorts of things. It, it's not the time to be checking out new restaurants, new nightclubs, taking on new tasks and things. Just give yourself as much opportunity as you can to rest and prepare. Get all set. So that's uh, some tips on tapering. Now, it's all done recovery now the biggest thing you can do for recovery to make it successful is to plan it ahead of time and again it's a bit like you know how much am I going to taper is it an a race or not similar here with recovery it's uh, it's all about the context the goal you know are you wanting to recover as quickly as possible to resume training or because your race was a lead-up to something else or was this the big thing Um, and And I reckon that's an example of why this is important. Is not only does it help you prepare both the things you need to organise so that they're easy to do afterwards, so you don't miss them, um, get your mind in the right spot, but it also helps you uh, make sense of how you're going to go about your post race. And I like to talk about it's a simple thing: will you put your ice in the drinks or on the legs. And so often people say, "Oh, I've done my big race, you beauty," and it's down in the pub, a few beers, whatever else. Now, if it's your if it's your A race and it's done and you're happy to extend your recovery time and enjoy the whole thing, then you should do that. You should do that guilt free because it's a planned decision. But you're doing it in the in the full knowledge that straight after a race, you know, you're bruised, you're bleeding, your muscles are taking a battering. If you go and uh, hop into the, a few beers, some wine or whatever it might be, that's going to make your recovery worse, it's gonna extend the bleeding. So you're not gonna recover as quickly. So I'm not saying right or wrong, I'm saying context. Um, if it's your your first marathon and it might be your last one, you beauty, go you know, and celebrate all you like. But if it's oh is a big event but I've got another one that I want to get back to training for as quickly, then you can't kinda of have it both ways. Mm. So get the context right. Plan the recovery before. So the the next kind of thing if you are planning on I do in your race.
0: Well, you want to plan. When you said about planning your recovery uh, before the event, it's it's also having those things available to you that are going to optimise your recovery, so that you can access as quickly as possible. So if you are going to an event, you might have your particular protein drink available to you at the finish. Um, you might have carried that in. Um, an ice esky to the event. You might have your compression tights if you want to get straight into compression tights. As soon as you finish, you might have them in your race recovery kit Um, rather than being unprepared and unplanned. Um, You might have it worked out if you do want to go somewhere to soak yourself in cold water, have that already put into your Google Map directory of how you're going to get there from your event to soak your legs in the ocean, in the river or wherever it may be. So you're really thinking about and have planned what your strategy is as soon as you cross the line.
1: Now, one other thing here is if your event that you're doing is a a training event rather than your A event, so you're you're basically working on... Not performing at your best, but back from that a little bit. Uh, maybe you're just going up in distance. Maybe you're using it to test some strategies, whatever else. Then, if you're wanting to recover more quickly, then your race strategy can ha- can set you up for success. And that might include uh, doing walk breaks, particularly around the drink stations. Those little walk breaks throughout will get you a little, maybe a bit slower in the race but you might be surprised it might actually help you go quicker by being more consistent throughout but it will speed up your recovery so walk breaks are a great way of helping you run more often and get back to it more quickly so that could be relevant it might not be Uh, and the other thing in terms of your race strategy and impact on recovery is the the degree to which you push hard in the second half do you do you give it all do you leave nothing out there or do you run a bit within yourself? Do you back off towards the end? Now, again, there is no right or wrong, but it will have an impact on your recovery, and it's all about the context. So, if I'm here to do the best I can, then I'm going to leave nothing out there. If I'm here to 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 learn from it, to train from it, because I've got something better coming up, then I might just run it, you know, ninety percent rather than a hundred percent. So then, those things said, we've done the event. What next?
0: Well, there are two schools of thought here and it probably does relate to your level of fitness and your level of training and uh, your level of how much you've pushed yourself in the event and that is to have some form of active cool down. Now for a lot of us that is walking around or going for a walk after the event, it might be a couple of kilometres, might be all the way up to five kilometres of walking but some more trained individuals will actually go for a cool down jog and there is physiological reasoning behind that to try and flush out some lactic acid build up out of the muscles um, to help that recovery a lot of triathletes because they're close to water go for a cool-down swim to help disperse some of that lactic acid throughout their body it's not pushing yourself it's just going for whatever feels comfortable within your own training
1: so for runners I think a a popular thing is to walk two or three miles Two or three hours after you're, mm. um, you know, if you if you can walk for for ten or fifteen minutes straight after that's really good, and often you know the walk back to the car or to this train station or to the hotel forces you to do that that's a good thing, but to get out there later in the day and and maybe two or three times later in the day for for a bit of a walk uh, next one now there's a, there's the two popular strategies, and we talked earlier about adaption and how letting your body recover and uh, work through the DOMS is a good and important thing for training adaption and of these two very popular strategies I think the current thinking so is that one enhances and the other in essence limits or undermines mm-hmm. so first of all
0: compression compression is a, a good thing to do and all of the research suggests that it may have some may have some benefit for both the adaption of your muscles And the recovery from DOMS without impeding the process or without shortening the process of recovery. Um, So, we recommend and we're big on using compression. If weather conditions permit, using it on the day of the event, after the event. Uh, but definitely overnight and sleeping in compression tights is one of our big factors. But the other one, which has got two different schools of thought going for it, are the use of ice and cold water uh, for treatment of DOMS or immediately after your event. Now, one of the, the schools of thought here is that if you are going into ice straight after your event, and using an ice bath um, as a regular process. So that's maybe once a week, a couple of times a week, after every training session. That is not allowing your body or your muscles to adapt properly. And it's not allowing them to go through that process of recovery and growth. Uh, So you're not getting the most benefit that you might get. In saying that, if this is your A-race, If this is where you have given your all, you have pushed yourself to the extreme, um, and you are concerned about the damage that you've done to your body, maybe the use of ice is not such a bad thing. So just something to be a little bit aware of that the School of thought with ice is starting to shift around a little bit.
1: So simple principle is if you're wanting to recover as fast as you can and potentially compromise the adaptation or the training impact, use ice because it will speed up the recovery, but But it won't won't get the natural adaptation happen as much. So if you're not if you're not that concerned about adapting and getting the most out of it from a training perspective, use the ice. If you are wanting to get the most from it um, from a training perspective from adaptation and you're prepared to maybe take a little bit longer to recover, then don't go with the ice yes. and the cold water. Okay, so good, good reasons.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Okay, um, in terms then of um, getting things back into you, in yep. terms of food and drink... Yep.
0: Um, protein and carbohydrate are two elements that are really important for the recovery of your body your muscles your energy levels and uh, protein is often something that's very difficult to digest carbohydrate we can often have fruit or uh, as part of our our hydration process get into a drink that's got some sugary component that's going to pick up our carbohydrate levels Um, and hydration of course is very important as well particularly if it has been a draining day but that Protein um, is going to help our muscles grow and rebuild, and that can be as simple as the protein milk, chocolate milk, um, onto more solid food, but ideally within the first hour of completing your event if you can.
1: Now, we we mentioned earlier about deciding on the context and the the value of your recovery, and and this is important because, uh, I think it's important, because of the notion of the guilt-free celebration. So if it was your big event, if it was your A-race, or if it was just something we we're going to have a bit of a treat and a reward then decide up front and do it and enjoy it and don't feel bad about it you know you've trained hard for this couple of beers you know a feed of fish and chips the ice cream the whatever it might be that treat then have it and feel good about it don't uh, don't go beating yourself up about it if however you uh, are using this event and your recovery is a lead up to something else and it's within your overall training cycle then you want to be careful about your your celebration and your your treats because it's it's not the main game so you need to decide up front and if you're going to do it enjoy it don't feel bad about it but if you are going to feel bad about it because you know it's not going to help you with your your ultimate event then delay it till till some other time um on the day if you can we've talked we've talked about the regular walking but also I mean it's not always possible but avoiding the long flights and uh, lots of sitting and lots of driving you know two or three hours I reckon is about max if you want to get on a a big flight it can be really tricky and awkward and uh, the last thing in terms of the day is to to treat and deal with any blisters because they will impact on your recovery and how you deal with them in the the day and the next day and the next day can have an impact on infection and the speed from which they recover and so the rest of your body could be ready to go but if you haven't looked after the blisters then you can be in a bit of uh, grief. Uh, The next day Sue?
0: yep well keep walking just keep your muscles moving without stress without impact without trauma and walking is a great activity that I suppose we could put in swimming as well as something sort of non-impact.
1: Indoor cycle I think is another one which, yep. which can often work well to turn the legs over uh, but just being being careful about
0: it. Yeah, and not pushing too hard. Don't think of it as a training session. Think of it as a recovery session if you do something like that.
1: Now the, uh, the cold water and ice, I think there's a distinction here between um, you know the whole getting in the big tub of ice and really mm. going for it and you might go for a walk in the cold water. I think that's not going to have a... Um, uh, much of an impact in undermining the adaption phase, but it can be rather pleasant to just stroll through the, the sort of the shallow water if you live near the, the beach or a lake or something as uh, a nice way to work on recovery.
0: And of course, the other reason you might be using ice is that you do have an injured muscle or an injured joint or a swollen joint. Um, so that is important part of your recovery is to keep icing for that 24 hours, the sore injured spot. Uh,
1: and of course, the next day for many of us is the time where we start to get our appetite back maybe it's two days after but often on the day of the event you don't feel that hungry yeah. particularly if it's been an extra long one so the next day is a chance and so again pre-planning to maybe have some um some meals that you really really like that are of the uh, treat but healthier side then leaving yourself vulnerable or sort of not planned because that's when you can maybe get into some not so healthy treats and snacks uh in the week after probably, the, you know, this leads us to the big question of when do I get back to running? But so first of all, DOMS for some people and determining on the event, it could be a day. I'm, a, I'm one of those people who's usually worse on the second day, so it takes sort of like 48 hours to flush through. But if you've gone up in distance or you've pushed extra hard or it's been different terrain to what you're used to, you know, it can take three, four, five days. So it is what it is, don't rush it, and, mm. you know, kind of welcome it rather than try to make it go away. It's not yeah. an injury it's the body adapting We've said that before
0: and acknowledge the fatigue uh, if you're an, a new runner or if you've gone up in distance you've uh, pushed yourself somewhere beyond where you've normally uh, gone before expect that there's going to be fatigue and it could take a few days for you to really get over that physical fatigue with extra sleep and naps, always a good idea
1: absolutely so some of the things you might have done the day after uh, as the week goes on and the second week after the race you're going to do more of it so more and more walking, potentially, more uh, and more swimming, maybe maybe some water running, uh, some cycling, some indoor cycling. Uh, you might, you know, after a couple of days, be back to yoga and Pilates. Again, being careful, don't over stretch or over over push. Let that DOMS be a guide as to when you're ready to up your your activity. You know, maybe some extra sleep. Uh, maybe it's it's time for some some naps during during the day if you can. You know, that twenty minute power nap can, if you get a wave of fatigue, can help. Once the uh, the legs get bearable, um, again, depending on a whole bunch of things, could be sooner rather than later. Massage is a nice way to to ease back into it, not too heavy at first, but a good way to flush it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of days, maybe. Yeah, for you some might running start
0: to get into some run walk. Um, don't be afraid to put those little walk breaks in have a bit of a jog, think of it as you're going for a run walk rather than uh, heading out for a run Is a good way
1: uh, there is no hard and fast rule, and I guess it will depend on you know, your fitness, your priorities, the event, but as a you know as a, as a starting point, you might think about five to ten k about seven days or the next weekend after as a as a bit of a guide, but again, if you're feeling at all fatigued or at all concerned, no need to no need to to push it. Um, and again, if, if it's been your first marathon, for example, it, it can be often people talk six, eight, ten weeks before they really get their mojo back and the fatigue passes. Again, there's no hard and fast rule, but as a general guide, three to four weeks recovery before you start a new training program uh, is is a is a good starting point. And of course, the exception, as we said, is for people who've built up over a number of years and are injury free and are training for something else. And are prepared to, to take the risk of injury and, and illness can go a bit quicker but mm-hmm. if you're really looking to get the most out of it and to build a, a good base to do do more later then three to four weeks until you get back to your full training. so so that's um, the art of the taper and recovery anything else you want to say before we move on to our next segment
0: um- We've spoken a lot about the body and I've touched on the mind a couple of times. Don't underestimate the power of your mind or the influence that psychologically having a big event uh, and really psyching up for it can do for you. You can often get very down. They often talk about it, the post-event blues, and uh, it is very common to feel that sense of mental downness. After you have a very exciting event, Um, one of the big ways is to turn around and pick another event to psych yourself up for. But don't uh, think that that's necessarily physical. It can be also a mental down after a big event.
1: You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner. Magazine. Now just before we go to our final segment of the day uh, we're going to do the two minute review of the Two Bayers Trail Run Sue so you mentioned earlier in the show uh, about the winners but we should just do mm-hmm. a quick uh, well done and congratulations to uh, uh, Rowan, Kate, Clarkie, uh Matt Bell and everybody else who's involved in the organising, the volunteers uh, the Mornington Peninsula community, the spectators and of course the runners, well, it was a uh, an outstanding success, again, the Two Bays Trail Run.
0: Sure is, and it is one of the, uh, I suppose, the summer highlights, and there's a lot of summer in this event with beach themed runners getting into uh, the Hawaiian shirts, grass skirts, flowers in their hair, as well as, of course, the volunteer aid stations dressed accordingly too.
1: So if you uh, haven't come across the Two Bays Trail Run, it's uh, about an hour out of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia, I think increasing numbers or increasingly noticed, the people that travel from interstate and internationally to come and participate. It's always there that second weekend in January weather permitting and it runs from the the western Port Bay to Port Phillip Bay and back for the 56k or from Dramana on uh, Port Phillip Bay over to Cape Shank uh, with the lighthouse there and some stunning coastline 28k there. Um, I suppose noticeable this year Sue was as is always the case more runners about two thirds or, or three quarters of the field are running the twenty eight mm-hmm. um and the smaller number in the fifty six and also i think the less women in the fifty six compared to men
0: very much, very noticeably that uh that was a big a big factor there were less women in the fifty six um yeah i don't know it's one of those. Things that in half marathons, women are equalizing in men numbers, but not so much in those longer distance events. But with just a a great atmosphere out on the course, and I think this is one of the uh, things that keeps people coming back to this event or spreads the word to make others try it, is that there is just a, a brilliant vibe also, great organisation, of course, every detail attended to.
1: Yeah, and um, they do a particularly good job in terms of the Facebook. I have to say, I was getting a bit frustrated. Some of the, the questions people are asking, I was thinking, geez, you're only going to look at the website or read the race guide. It's pretty clear what you know where the course is or whatever's happening. But, but um, you know, Rowan and Kate particularly do just a wonderful job in no matter what the questions are, treating people with respect and helping them find mm. the answers. So, congratulations to them for that. That's what part of what makes it special the other thing that I really wanted to give a big rap to um, the two bays organizers was uh, it was very sad unfortunate that the weather conditions meant that the Bogong to Hotham uh, event was cancelled last week end up in the high country and that was because of the weather the cancellation was sort of mid-morning on the Friday and uh, Rowan from Two Bays was right on to it, onto it too. because some people had dropped out at the last minute as often is the case to use those vacancies because the race had sold out to offer places to the Bogong to runners so that was great for a number of people but it was even more spectacular from a perspective of the racing because it brought with it some of the elite uh, men and women to come and, and run in Two Bays so Commiserations to Andy Hewitt and Brett Saxon and all the people who were not able to run Bogong to Hotham, but an extra special pat on the back to Rowan and the crew for the way they made welcoming and allowed the Bogong to Hotham runners to join in at two bays. And this
0: race continues to provide challenge. Like with two bays, it it is a challenging race. We mustn't underestimate that it is a tough run.
1: We do underestimate every year. We do underestimate (laughs) the... the, um, having run the fifty six several times now, that that point where you come down Arthur's seat, ring the bell, again part of the character of the race, and then you turn around and go back up. That next ten or fifteen K um it gets me every year. I'm never prepared for quite how, how tough, tough it is. Be, and, yeah. anyway, congratulations to mm. everybody, a wonderful event. Now, um over the last few weeks I've been doing a bit of a, a series on my uh, journey into becoming a GPS watch user with my Sunto Ambit three. Um I'm not going to talk too much about that today other than just to make one brief comment that flows out of the back of the uh, two bays report uh big lesson number probably the biggest mistake i've made yet biggest goof um i've always laughed at people who sort of come across the finish line not looking at the uh or just you know head down focusing on their watch not taking in the whole experience well um we'd finished the race by 25 minutes when when uh george from parkrun came up and said so how did you go and I had that oh, shit moment as I looked down at my watch and realised I hadn't turned it turned off. Turned it off, it hadn't so stopped. I was, I, stop. <laughs> I, think I, I think we crossed the oh. line in 634 or something and my watch was showing 657, 657. Mm. Or, or, or we came in whatever it was. It was some mixture of threes and fours and fives and sevens. So um, take a bit of training to get lesson used to it. Lesson number one. Yeah, and so then lesson number two, of course, is closely associated with that, was when I did turn it off in my panic, I didn't turn it off properly. And so when I went to upload it, uh, when I got home, I discovered that somehow I'd managed to track uh, the car drive home as well, and I'd done 120K for the day instead of 56 oh, So a so, uh, bit of an embarrassment, bit of a mix-up, but I still was able to get most of the data. But living and learning, and uh, as I said to somebody who'd left their watch at home when they went off to run Hobart, well, you, you, can, you can run without your watch. You don't need it. Don't get locked to it. Mm. Um, but big mistake, and we'll talk more about journey on the GPS trail later on Okay, coming up to the end of another show our our final segment for this week is of course The Road Ahead join us as we take a quick peek at a few of next weekend's running events
0: well, apart from the Vibram Hong Kong 100 Ultra Trail Race, there are other marathons taking part around the world. And one of them is the Egyptian Marathon in Luxor, but also the Coastal Series in Anglesey, Corregidor in the Philippines, Leipzig in Germany, the Pacifica Foothills Trail in California, the San Diego Trail also in California, the Steep Ravine Trail in California, um, the Duel in Texas, the Bermuda International Carlsbad Marathon in California, Charleston Marathon in South Carolina, Houston Marathon in Texas, China Coast in Hong Kong, Clearwater in Florida, Louisiana Marathon, uh, the Bahamas International Marathon, Maui Oceanfront Front, pf chang's rock and roll arizona so we have participated in the pulheimer Staffel marathon in germany reading in the uk uh the standard Chartered mumbai marathon and also the triple d marathon as well in iowa not a huge amount of marathons on in the northern hemisphere still too snowy too cold and in the southern hemisphere too hot
1: but quite spectacular of course the hurt 100 the big race there in uh, Hawaii and best of luck to Hector uh, we should mention I suppose coming up on Australia Day weekend outside of uh, Melbourne in Australia is the Australia Day running festival mm. down, at, down at the uh, Yu Yangs with uh, 3 hour and 6 hour K 5k, 10k half, half marathon. marathon and a, a choice of one marathon at 6pm a second marathon at midnight, or of course back to back if you want to run the, the two marathons uh, one after the other with a bit of a break or a, a long break, depending on how fast you are. Or a
0: continual run.
1: Yes, uh, <laughs> that's going to be wonderful. So, uh, thanks again, folks. Uh, all the best in running. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the Partner Running Show. Don't forget, the Anzac Ultra closes off at the end of September, so if you're going to get your entry, end of yeah, January. End, end of January. Mm. So the, Uh, get your entry in now is the time and uh, thanks a lot Sue we'll see you next week enjoy your Hong
0: Kong yes running experience
1: Hong Kong run you're listening to the Partner Running Show with your hosts couple on the run Sue and Andrew O'Brien proudly brought to you by partnerrunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine